0: On you rogues, rebels and renegades, welcome to a brand new episode of the Rogue Country podcast, episode 66. Today we have the brilliant James Hodder, but let's get down to some business first. We have updated the Rogue Country Bandcamp store with some brand new t-shirts and some brand new mugs, which makes it the perfect time to hear from our sponsor, Pick print screen printing today we are brought to you by pick print screen printing they're a liverpool based family-run hand screen printing company and i love these guys they do my t-shirts they do the rogue country t-shirts they do josh bettis's t-shirts so if you need band merch workwear business uniforms club or sports team wears or apparel lines please get in touch with them they use eco-friendly inks it's all done by hand and they're just an incredible company to work with i love them and you should go support them go check them out for all your merch needs and let's plug some incredible rogue country shows this podcast airs on the 17th of april and you know what that means On the 22nd of April, Luke Hendrickson begins his first ever UK tour and we need you rogues to show up. From April 22nd to April 30th, Luke is hitting a lot of dates across the UK. We're in Wallasey, Bradford, Northwich, Birkenhead, Sheffield, Newark, Rossendale, Bracken and London head over to the rogue country websites to find out more information and get your tickets we have also had the absolute pleasure of bringing jesse daniel over for august on the 14th he's in london that show is now sold you cannot get tickets for it but don't worry on the 15th he's in swansea and on the 16th he's in birkenhead that's right folks the jesse daniel is coming over to the uk for his first ever tour and rogue country appointment on in august 14th 15th and 16th Do not miss out, but let's not make it all about us. Let's share the rogue love. Do you know the Rustic Stomp Roots Festival? You better do. It's in Organford, Dorset on the 14th, 15th, and 16th of July. The lineup is incredible. This is truly the best independent country and roots festival around. Heathen Apostles are playing. Frank from Blue Velvet, Sarah Vista, The Care Sons, Hans DeVille, Josh Bettis, Mark J. Lee, Ash Harding. There is so many incredible artists playing this that you do not want to miss out on this. And if that's not all, guess who else is coming to UK Shores? Pat Reedy, the Pat Reedy, absolutely incredible artist. If you've not listened to him, check him out. He is coming over to UK in May and June. Head over to his websites. He is putting in the time, putting in the hours, and you do not want to miss any of these shows he's playing with Axe Conley, he's playing with Mark J Lee he's playing with Chris Dover and it's going to be an incredible tour and you do not want to miss it so check that out at Pat Reedy's socials there is so much incredible country and roots music coming to the UK that we are simply overwhelmed and it is an incredible thing to see thank you so much to all these artists and promoters and venues who are making this happen and if you are listening to this I urge you to get to the nearest country show you can support them you best you can because without the audience there You know this scene cannot thrive and it cannot grow you are the lifeblood of it And we salute you every time you buy a ticket Let's get down to today's guest james hodder has just released wilderness road Phenomenal record james has been on my radar for quite some time and we get into it in this podcast His voice is smooth as fuck. You do not want to sleep on this guy. So yeah Let's get down to it, guys. This is episode 66 of the Rogue Country Podcast with Mike West and James Hodder. Sweet. So, yeah, so we're rolling now. Wilderness Roads just dropped. How's the reaction? How have you felt it's been so far with it hitting people's ears?
1: I've been really um, bowled over by the Mm. reaction to it personally because, um, I mean, the last album in the beginning came out. It came out six years ago, it was Mm -hmm. recorded seven years ago. And in the meantime, I've been, you know, writing songs still and, and gigging, but it's been a lot of, um, you know, opening sets, acoustic, solo, and, you know, just, uh, finding the right opportunity. I mean, I've just, it's just, I mean, obviously there's been, uh, reasons everyone will appreciate why, yeah. <laughs> why things have slowed down but then just just me personally you know i've had a couple of children and mm. all this kind of stuff so it was just about finding the right time and and getting everyone back together again and uh yeah i'm just to, to bring music out now after that gap and mm. um you know it's been um it's been lots of people checking out on bang camp and and uh getting cd copies digital everything it's just it's been really great and the, mm. the feedback you get from people about the songs and stuff it's great
0: yeah and with obviously that kind of seven year gap and having kids did that influence the writing of this because obviously wilderness rodeo have been writing for a while did that kind of life experience in that time between influence those songs
1: it it probably didn't influence the kind of source material like what i'm Mm -hmm. singing about um there are no kind of songs on there about um, particularly like having a family or, or things, but the funny thing I guess is is that the album is uh, about I guess a lot of the songs are about change mm. and about kind of um, making your way through things. Like Wilderness Road is actually a road that is near where I live, mm. and I would pass it, and I just thought oh, that's a great title. I can <laughs> use that as a <laughs> you know a metaphor or something mm. for uh, you know trying to find your way back, and uh, that was the that that became like one of the first songs to be written. It was written really soon after the thing. And I thought at the time I just had my first, you know, child. And I thought, Oh, you know, I feel so old. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so young. I'm so tired. And you know, and that was where the kind of inspiration was for, for kind of thinking that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to embrace change and, uh, and find your way through things when it's difficult.
0: Yeah. No, totally. Like I've got a um, kid coming in June and it's my first Oh, one. congratulations. Thanks so much. But, um, it is one of those things where, you know, change is inevitable in like everyone's life, but it's one of those things that you just, you know, it is inevitable. You have to embrace it because the world Absolutely. will always
1: keep spinning. Yeah. And, but you know what it, what it did do was that it, it made me more disciplined like mm. to actually get the stuff down because, you know, for a long period of time, um, you know i i I was free to write and to go out and gig whenever i wanted or Mm. do whatever i wanted to record whenever i wanted and you find when you've obviously it's just a human thing isn't it you've got too many options you don't actually sit down and do things but now i I was finding things like okay my uh you know my my son's taking a nap i've got one hour (laughs) so you know you (laughs) use it wisely you sit down and you write a song um or get something down that you can use for later and um you know so it does make you appreciate when you do have that free time to do mm. things and actually even though you think oh i'm not going to have any time you just use the time you do have better i reckon
0: yeah no totally i'm taking like three or four months off but I, i've been pretty mm. picky with gigs and things in the last like few years anyway but i think like once you have that kind of responsibility like but i could be at home you know being a dad right now and it's, yeah. it has to be worth the time to like go out and actually gig and you know do those things, and you get a bit more selective about what you're gonna play and how you're gonna play,
1: yeah, definitely you have to put others first and um you know i i my, most of my gigs really in the last sort of few years have been in and around the London area, yeah. I've done a couple of things, but um not not much around the u k at the moment but um but then i'm getting to a stage now where they're a bit older we're a bit more in a new routine and i'm hoping that yeah i can get out yeah. and do a bit more which would be good
0: hmm, cool and what's kind of because you're based down in kent
1: yeah kent. i'm in sort of bromley so i'm I'm sort of like greater london i guess but yeah, yeah like the borders of kent yeah cool
0: and what's the kind of because i i know a bit of kind of the southwest with rustic stomp and things and yeah. Obviously London's London, so I know a bit about the scene in the movies and shakers, but from your experience being part of it, what have you kind of seen in the last like six or seven years of the London scene, especially in the Americana and country side of
1: things? Well, it's been it's been an interesting time really, because there are uh you know some really good things in and around the, this kind of southeast area. And in the last few years we've had uh, the Black Deer Festival yeah. sprung up, which is a a really fantastic festival um i'm going along this year um just for the saturday um taking the family and things to see uh, you know i know bonnie rates playing that day and um oh it's it's just gonna be amazing but that's yeah. a that's a great thing you know it's, it's literally you know about 40 minutes or so drive oh, yeah. from my house this great big festival yeah you know and it's um that will be amazing and then there are other things like there are lots of um people doing kind of gigs and promoting gigs um, There was uh there's my friends uh martin and marion who run black cat mm. um music and they've been really great to me over the last few years and they're constantly putting on these amazing gigs in and around the london area um then there's well there's, there's another one is uh icarus club i don't know if you've mm. heard of the icarus club no. but it was like uh this guy um you know it, well it started a long time ago i think but uh it, it you know that they kind of showcase like songwriters and um you know acoustic type stuff and they, they've been doing it in lots of different pubs in and around the southeast and stuff and that's kind of recently started up again so i'm gonna be playing something with them in like the may sort of period mm. so there there are a few things i'd say like there a lot of venues are kind of in the london area really and there'll be places that everyone knows like the mm. green notes yeah of, um places around that so yeah
0: mm. Cool, because I know um you're seeing Mike and the Moonpies on. Is it Sunday they're playing?
1: I'm I'm going to see them Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I, it's gonna be so. Weird. I can't wait to see them. On this <laughs> I've had a ticket for like two years. So, yeah, yeah, def- definitely. <laughs> it's been, been one I've been looking forward to. Yeah,
0: but going back to obviously Wilderness Road before then, and you know, in the beginning, of 2017, take it all the way back. What was it that kind of inspired you to pick up a guitar? What did you grow up listening to?
1: I was very much drawn to like playing electric guitar and that's how I started so 10 years old I got an electric guitar and um you know the sort of stuff that I'm doing now I would probably have found completely boring and uh you know rubbish (laughs) (laughs) I basically just wanted to be um in a band like Guns N' Roses or Aerosmith or something (laughs) like that I I didn't really want to do anything else and I had no interest in writing songs at Mm. all you know the first um thing was to uh just just want to play guitar probably guitar solos yeah specifically at that age um so that's where i started and and it wasn't until maybe in my teens late teens maybe that i started playing acoustic more and and performing more with acoustic because i you know there weren't there weren't many people really in my you know there was a couple of people played drums and stuff at school but there wasn't many that I, i sort of click with and had a band or anything so that yeah. was quite frustrating but yeah i mean it was funny i was listening to your podcast um was it with the uh, laid-back country picker you're mm. talking about the alice cooper gigs and stuff and yeah you know that i i'm a huge alice cooper fan i think he's amazing so i'd still listen to all that and um, <laughs> you know he's he's great and um you know it's people like that but it was funny one of the first things that um well I think like the, the last straw was when I watched this movie um Crossroads which oh, yeah. is not the Britney Spears movie if anyone <laughs> is listening and thinking that I'm talking about that but there's a, a great Walter Hill movie called uh, Crossroads which is um it's got um Ralph Macchio isn't it the karate kid and yeah. he's like playing guitar in it and um it, the, the soundtracks by Cooder, and I'm I love Rykuda as well like now I'm a, I'm a really huge fan of him so listening to the slide guitar work mm-hmm. and the blues playing in that really really influenced me and um you know I think the first performance I ever did was maybe at 10 or 11 and I had a, the electric guitar and I did a version of um uh, Feeling bad blues by Rikuda for <laughs> I think I was a Cub Scout, right? <laughs> I performed it at this Cub Scout event. But I was so naive, like I didn't know that he was you know anything about bottlenecks or anything. So yeah. I was literally just playing notes on the on the electric and um I didn't even have an amp. I was playing it out of a um <laughs> uh, like a, a computer speaker or something. nice I rigged it up to. So it was really <laughs> it's a bit C sixteen, I guess, before <laughs> yeah before he was doing it there. But, it was no that's the sort of thing i was listening to
0: and what was your first electric guitar was it a squire strap job or
1: oh no it was it was like an encore it's actually billed as a beginner's electric guitar it's like three-quarter size yeah Um, (laughs) i saw one on um like facebook the other day it came up like someone was selling one for like 20 quid and i was thinking oh nostalgia maybe i'd (laughs) go and buy one but yeah it was like jet black it had one humbucker in it and um it was perfect for learning on you know it's just just what you need i spent i had it for a good two years or so two three years before i got anything else
0: yeah it's weird with those type of guitars because the first one i ever got and i've still got it was like a 20 quid nylon stringed acoustic guitar from argos that Uh, is mine was from argos (laughs) it's an utter piece of shit but it's just amazing I, you know i've picked up like you know I, I know people have like martins and gibsons and shit and i've played them but nothing ever gives you the first feeling of that shitty guitar in your hands when you're younger and it's like no. maybe five pound worth of materials all bolted together but those beginner guitars are so magical
1: they they are and, and but the thing is as long as it's like something you can get to grips with and learn the basics that's yeah. the most important thing isn't it because like people often say to me like oh you know what should i buy guitar wise and I always think, you know, you should just buy something that makes you feel comfortable. But don't worry about the the name particularly yep. or the price tag. If it's your first guitar, just um, just get something that you can learn on. Because they always say, don't they, that so much of it is your, your actual technique, is, you know, how you're mm. playing it. And, you know, I've, I've had friends who when I was growing up with, like, there was one guy at my school and he would have a new electric guitar every six months. And he was <laughs> performing, you know, with it. And he had, he went for everything from tellies to strats to those pools and and but he never really learned to play one of them particularly mm, well you yeah know, he he never he always did the same thing on it and i thought well why have you got so many guitars you know just um, try and learn a bit more on it
0: yeah no it's a weird one like i've got him um, my main two are epiphones and it's one of those things where i wouldn't want to fancy gibson or a martin that costs the same as the house because if you lose it or you chip it or dent it or someone yeah. spills a pint on it it's way more. no
1: and there are great things yeah exactly especially like when i'm gigging in like pubs and places like i think like well you know i don't want to be dragging really expensive equipment yeah. sometimes because yeah it can get rowdy and um you know a good way to ruin a nice piece of kit really but mm. no you should i mean the my main guitar and the acoustic guitar i used on the album and i gig with is a fender uh i mean i don't know what the model number is but it's like a real budget it's their most budget mm. um electro acoustic guitar yeah. But it has a Fishman pickup in it. Nice, and it just yeah, it sounds great like on most systems, you know. And it's reliable. It's like I don't really want to be worrying about the tech. No. When I'm getting up to to gig and and be with a band or whatever it is, I just want something to work and concentrate on the on the song.
0: Yeah, I remember I, when I had an electric guitar when I was in a metal band, and it had a Floyd Rose on it, and it was great. <laughs> I
1: hate Floyd
0: Rose. But the second you snap a yeah. string, you fuck. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you might as well go home because you, yeah. unless you've got another guitar, someone can just <laughs> run on and hand you one. Yeah, I had a, a budget guitar at one point. I think it was a vintage guitar. I had a Floyd Rose on it, and <laughs> you know, I'm sure people know, but you, you know, they maybe if they play guitar, but these these Floyd Roses are ones where you have to cut the ball off the string and and use allen keys and clip it in and it's not as simple as like you just break a string and wrap when you want. Yeah.
0: no it's tone. a total day ruiner yeah. if you snap a string it's, with the Floyd. Ropes. and it
1: puts the whole thing out of balance doesn't it it's, yeah. it's like you can't tune the guitar anymore so mm. yeah, yeah
0: but so with this on this record and did you use that guitar on in the beginning because you've got a fucking great guitar tone on these records
1: oh thank you yeah i mean i used it was all acoustic on the first album and that was um yeah the, the Fender um sort of acoustic amusing and um and then in the second uh for for wilderness road uh, the electric was done with um it's actually a tanglewood uh, telecaster copy mm. it has like kind of it's a bit of a weird guitar i picked it up from someone um i used to gig with in pubs and he's it's got like fender parts in it i think it's got a fender pickup at the back <laughs> but it's but it's largely but it's a really good piece of you know heavy wood and it plays really well, so we used it on on that. And uh, I, I I put down a lot of the tone and things like that. I put down to working with uh, Dan Cooper at Rodale mm. Sound. He he worked on both albums, and he he's great to work with because I was so naive when I did the first album. I thought I've written you know ten eleven songs. I'll I'll record them and that's my album. And you, mm. even though I loved music and listened to so many things, I never really appreciated how difficult it is to make an album yeah you know and what goes into it and uh i i you know we did that first one in the beginning was done in two days because that's all i had budgeted for (laughs) so we (laughs) what what went on that album is literally everything we did um and then with this one it was a bit more okay um you know i know a bit more about the process now and Mm -hmm. and i was working with dan again and uh you know the the musicians we work with the people on the album are so great that they just (laughs) did their stuff really quickly so this one was three days oh cool <laughs> and uh yeah just got everything down and um yeah worked with some really great people but they're all they're all friends of mine in the local mm. area actually people that i play with um the you know dan played bass on it dan cooper himself and then uh my friend uh, johnny boy uh, he played harmonica he's on mm. both albums um tom monks um played keyboards on the album and He's phenomenal. He plays with uh, quite a few bands, including like Nine Below Zero and a few things. He's mm. he's he's actually can play anything. He's one of these like really, you must have a friend like this yeah. in your scene where he can just play anything <laughs> to a great standard. Um, he once took a, the, the legend has it that he once took a saxophone to an open mic. I think it was the day George Michael died just so he could play Careless Whisper. <laughs> and he he's he's turned up with it and no one's ever seen him with one. They said, do you play saxophone? He's like, oh, no, no, not really. but I'm going to give it a go. He stood up and did this flawless performance of it really good. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they just said... Um, you know, and then he put it. He took it away with him. This was years ago, obviously, and he's never played it since. So, <laughs> Just Tom <wanted> Monks, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And uh, and then we had um, my friend Beth Reed did all backing vocals. Mm. She's on the first album as well. Um, amazing singer. Um, and uh, the drums was uh, Jim Kimberley, mm. and Jim's played with lots of bands as well. But I met him one of my few gigs outside of London. Um, I played a couple of years ago at um, Great Eastern. Mm. near Leicestershire and it was uh, a friend of mine Mark put on a gig and he put on Robert Vincent yeah, um, yeah and he did a full band show and Jim was his drummer and uh, I just met him because I was doing the opening set and um, it was while I was beginning to record the album so it was really good timing and I noted that Jim didn't have a Scouse accent like everybody else so I thought he's probably not <laughs> from the northwest so this is great and uh, yeah he was he's from like southeast London as well he's like a few minutes away from me so he's amazing
0: Oh, awesome and going obviously talking about kind of when you first started out your solos like Guns N' Roses and that stuff what was it or what was the kind of switch when you noticed like songwriters and because one of the things I enjoy about your social media is you put up like what you're listening to and you have a fucking great record collection. oh
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah you should tell my wife that because she's not particularly <laughs> impressed with me coming back with records every week but yeah glad you appreciate it yeah. Um, well, what
0: was like the kind of switch when did you first notice like songwriters because it's weird with like rock and metal guns and roses and stuff it's like yeah they're songs but they're not you know poet laureates you know no, i love those guys not. but no. they aren't fucking
1: you know no because it is it's and... the music isn't it it's the riff yeah. it's the it's the it's the kind of attitude. reaction yeah, yeah and the attitude you get and and um you know there are some bands that i'm sure you're the same you listen back to now and you think god that that's awful those lyrics are either oh. not not even just like maybe sexist or completely degrading but they're like really just poorly written and, and yeah but the guitar solo is killer yeah. so i'm a huge know,
0: kiss cool. fan but i was listening to oh. like the love gun record yesterday and i got to christine 16 i had to turn it off i was like <laughs> not in 2023 i can't do this
1: no exactly and there are probably there's not as many bands that i would listen to now that i listened to back then and um still enjoy i think the first there were the things that that made me notice i kind of slowly crept into this kind of country and roots americana world through a few different songwriters um i remember uh, getting at one point I, I had um a couple of dave matthews band records mm. and i mean he's not somebody that i particularly listen to anymore but um when i was just devouring everything i had a, a couple of records and um or a couple of cd's and one of the live albums has a cover of a uh, long black veil mm. um and i didn't know that song at all when i heard it i was maybe 12 13 this is the first time i've ever heard it and i just remember hearing this it was quite a faithful um cover of it in mm. terms of the, the story and everything the lyrics i just remember listening to that and thinking that's incredible like that's such a great story and, and appreciating that song yeah completely differently to how i appreciated anything else um and, uh, yeah, there was just a few writers like that. There that, that was a few songs that jumped out. Mm. Um, and I particularly liked, uh, and I, I still do, it's kind of a Marmite subject, but I like uh, Delamitri. Mm. <laughs> so they they have, uh, I think, Justin Curry, who writes their lyrics, is just incredible. He mm. he really is an amazing lyricist for what is essentially a kind of pop uh, folk band you mm. know they're not they're not always the coolest uh, <laughs> I guess and uh, although I like it um but he he wrote he, he he you know that was an example where I was listening to the, the songs for the stories and the lyrics yeah. rather than and that's probably then when I thought I want to write songs because there was nothing that was particularly um like kind of guitar wise there was nothing I was listening to was going I want to learn that a lot of my friends were doing all the sweep. Picking yeah, and the you know all the real techie stuff, and that that didn't interest me. But I, you know, I'm not disciplined enough to do that. So no. I just thought, no, I want to get something, <laughs> yeah, like songs, you know, with with stories and, and stuff as good as that.
0: Because that's one of the things that like grabbed me from the in the beginning. Record it was it? What it did have that kind of early country vibe to it in the songwriting and the stories and like the king of the jungle song was one of my favorites i think that was the first one. i was <laughs> cool. really like and that's the one i heard, and i was like this fucking guy and, um, that's kind of just... like
1: a list song isn't it with yeah. uh, i always i told people it's like we didn't start the fire meets noah's ark because it's just a list <laughs> of different animals <laughs> i wrote that song um that was one of the last songs that i wrote before we recorded that in the beginning and it was it was one that was written after my son was born and it mm. was the first one where I didn't have a guitar I was holding him and I was trying to get him to sleep um and that's why it's almost like a kid's song no way it's kind of like silly you know you know lyrics about birds and you know uh, bears and other mm. kind of animals and that was like kind of the idea but then I mm. thought oh, I'll try and put in references that are a bit more kind of not when you see a pixar movie and there's yeah. stuff in there for the for the adults so that's kind of where it came from
0: so king of the jungle is the pixar version of a country it's, song
1: i'd like to think so that's yeah. fucking
0: genius because <laughs> that's what it grabbed me because it is like a list like it's like a tom t. hall style like yeah list country yeah, song that's,
1: oh thank you yeah i love his stuff yeah
0: no that's yeah. that's so fucking cool but with kind of that i feel you t- took that kind of because it was almost not raw, but it was a bit more stripped back, and it was you know just you guys. You've taken that kind of approach, and this seems more of like a bigger, grander Americana record. Which I know Americana is so loosely defined, but yeah. this just feels like it's just taken it and expanded it into a way that a lot of people can access.
1: Yeah, oh, that, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'm that was definitely the intention, you know, in trying to make a, another album. Like for Wilderness Road, it was like, well, we want, I want to do it a full band. I wasn't really gigging full band yeah. or doing anything there. But I thought if I'm going to get these songs down, I want to try and um, make it a bigger sound. But it still mm. has that approach. It was still kind of done the same way the first album was, you know, putting down some acoustic guitar first. Yeah. And that's how the songs have started. Um, mm. And getting some some lyrics down and, and some singing and stuff. And then just building it up. Because um, Dan's Studio is fantastic. It's not really set up for like a live yeah sound um that's probably what we'll do with the next one we we're already talking about you know if we do another one we're going to try and find a, a space where we can nice really do that um now that we because we've we've done one gig together uh minus the drums um and that was the for the album launch at, mm. um at the Betsy Trotwood in London and that which was, had a great
0: review i was reading well. that on the americana uk yeah, website yeah
1: i was blown away um by that and um ken the guy that that wrote the review was was so great and he i mean it's great if i suppose you you know you maybe you're the same like if you read something and somebody gets what you're trying to do yep. or like you know you feel like he the, the sort of things he referenced and were things that i would see as a total compliment and were stuff that i was listening to he mentioned people like jackson brown in his review mm-hmm. and i was like wow well, yeah that's that's a real um compliment so yeah we want to do some more live shows together um there is a bootleg of the um live show and it, it, i got the the tracks over yesterday the guy um he does the sound xiao he was at the Betsy. He, he he records it all and mixed it all and no nice. i think it sounds great yeah he's he's done a really good job it sounds like a really kind of polished bootleg really mm. it's, it's got the kind of energy i think of, of us playing together so i'm going to put that out on bandcamp soon And uh, oh, awesome
0: it. cool and with kind of before i get into like wilderness road and some other stuff with all your stuff's on bandcamp not as much on spotify i think is just wilderness road on spotify
1: yeah it is at the moment that's not so much um an artistic statement as me just being really lazy i I couldn't tell if it was like a political like taylor (laughs) swift
0: stance or something
1: like yeah neil young like (laughs) i'm not putting my stuff on to be honest no i mean i i don't really i don't personally um have a a, an account with like streaming Mm. sites you know i don't i don't personally listen to music that way but i'm not going to get up on my soapbox and tell people they shouldn't do that i I think it's absolutely fine really i think it's like an amazing thing uh you know the fact that you can have all this music i think of growing up how i had to consume different music and find different people if i wanted to know what tom t hall sounded like what what did i do you know i had to find someone that had a tom t hall album or a record and listen to it um whereas now I can type his name in on Spotify and he'll come up and there's all his yeah. stuff and I can listen to any of it. And you've got YouTube as well and all these things, but there was none of that. So um, I I think it's amazing uh, that you've got access to all that. Uh, I mean, obviously there's the obvious arguments about how they pay people and what you yeah. have, but that that's, you know, someone said to me the other day, um, a songwriter that they ultimately are writing songs to be heard, you know, yeah. to get their stuff out there and to connect with people. And um yeah, so I I will put it up on uh, Spotify as soon as I pull my finger out, really. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely coming.
0: Yeah, because that's that is the thing, and I think that person who said like it is to be heard, and I know you know Spotify and the internet in general is a fucking cesspool. It's yeah, there's, there's no ethical way to be on the internet. But no. it is like if you want your music to be heard by a lot of people, I think you know it is one of those things. if you I've I've said this many times, like I don't view Spotify as a income it's purely like a paid advert it's a promotional tool where someone can check me out and then come to a gig or buy a cd it is literally just to have out there to be listenable and searchable it's not something to you know plant my flag on
1: no absolutely i mean it's it's um it's a good way of uh linking all your stuff together and um and and connecting it to other people as well you know you find your way into different playlists and yeah um you know and and i have you know um heard of people thanks to you know people bring them up through streaming and stuff like that before mm. so it's a great way to discover new music and as well as checking out things that you you hear about but yeah i will definitely be putting it on there i think the band camp is just like the the main place i think in in putting this album out i haven't had much expectation if i'm honest mm. I've, I've kind of just i didn't want to come back with this sort of Huge promotional campaign and saying his first album in six years, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to like, try to bill it as a huge thing. Um, I just thought, well, I'll put this out and it's more a thank you to people that have stuck with me and listened to it and enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, the reception's been great and the, yeah. there's been a lot of people picking it up. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely put it on there,
0: yeah. Well, with obviously having kind of seven years, 2017 was in the beginning, 2023 is Wilderness Road. With that gap, did you find like people stuck with you, and it's, I think, I feel like, especially at our level, that is where the personal connections matter the most. Cause it's like, if you were saying, like, you know, Adele disappeared for however fucking long, but she's like newspaper worthy, so people will immediately flock back. But here it is literally like you have to rely on those one to one connections to kind of keep that interest going. So when you do release an album after so long, people still kind of give a fuck and share it, and you can attract new people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's been people that I've, um, you know, have, have supported me over many years and, and, like, enjoy coming out to see me do shows or been interested when I'm going to be releasing a few things. So, yeah, I, I think it's... It, I always, I always love the personal element of it and, yeah. like, people that I'll go and see as well. You know, I'll, I'll be in a room, probably in an upstairs of a pub or <laughs> a basement somewhere or whatever, and, you, you know, there is a... You start to get to know the people yeah who go to those gigs you know there are a lot of people i know um you know i might see them they might come to my gig but then equally i'll go to mike and the Moon pies and see probably a handful of people that yeah you know we, we're all it's all a big community isn't it so yeah it's great i think um i'm really i really appreciate that and there's there's probably something i didn't um think about as much when i was starting because like you say we were talking about the kind of rock stuff i was listening to and i thought you know my first shows that i went to see actual gigs were iron maiden acdc nice. uh, you know people like that. alice Cooper, of course like as i say but i thought that every show was you know in a huge venue and had pyrotechnics and costume <laughs> changes and that's that's what a gig was really yeah. but then when i went to a gig and saw somebody play in a in a proper setting not just around someone's house you know uh playing a few songs but actually playing on a stage um and entertaining a handful of people and telling stories and and you know making it a show i was i was blown away yeah. I just it never really occurred to me that you should do that and so yeah you get to know your audience definitely mm.
0: no amazing And with kind of going back to your record collection what have you picked up anything new recently how many records do you have do you think
1: Oh well, wow. uh, <laughs> it's a few. It's a few hundred, yeah, probably. Um, I I wouldn't put a number on it. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll uh, we'll just in case a, your a wife listens back to this. And, yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> minus thirty percent at least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that will that will make sure things are cool. Um, but oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've picked it recently. Um, well. Through the post, I got um, a new album. Uh, the Blue Highways have mm. just bought out a new album. They're good friends of mine, and their new album just arrived on my doorstep. I pre-ordered that through Bandcamp, and it's amazing. I would highly encourage anybody to go out and, and check them out. Um, I picked up a Loudon Wainwright record yesterday mm. in, a, in a charity shop. He's kind of an interesting character. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. I've listened to it once through. It's one of the very early ones. I think it's his second album. mm but, um, yeah, I'm not sure, <laughs> although I did pick up a, a a Nancy Griffith album yesterday as well i, I think it's it's a bit of a mishmash of things really i don't sort of there sometimes I just see things and um you know you you just uh I just think, oh great, you know I'll get a copy of that, but it's I don't have much of a wish list of mm. things it's, it's, I always like crate digging you know, and yeah seeing what I
0: charity shops are a gold mine as well,
1: oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I was lucky enough, it's funny connecting to Alice Cooper, actually, because um, my father-in-law, unfortunately, I passed away a few years mm. back and he had a, a, quite a few records. And he'd always said to me, you know, James, when I die, you know, I want you to have my records. And I was like, OK, I've, you know, that's quite morbid, but thank mm. you. And um, but when he did die, he, you know, he gave, you know, he had these records anyway. And we were looking through the um ones that he did have and a lot of it was kind of unusual but he had an Alice Cooper um schools out uh record Mm. right and I was like oh this is amazing and I pulled it out and it's got like it's obviously a school desk is the front cover Mm. and you can lift it up like an old American school desk and I pulled the record out and around the record was a a pair of women's like underwear basically and I was (laughs) like this is what the I was like uh, what do I do here and um, but I was thinking hang on hang on deep breath what's going on and I checked it out online and apparently when Alice Cooper released this album in the 70s the original pressing mm. he did that as a promotional thing no way um, he put this yeah, in because it it's sort of like I don't know it's in the shape of a pair of like underwear but it's actually mm. just some awful papery tissuey thing Yeah. Um, but yeah he did them on the original album and uh, her, you know my father-in-law he had an original Alice that's Cooper gotta be
0: copy. worth something to have that still intact it's, as well. well
1: yeah you see people selling them for quite a bit if they've no got the pants it always yeah. says includes pants if you look on like <laughs> <laughs> the markets and stuff but um but yeah it was amazing and he had that and he had an original um uh black sabbath album as well the, no the first album yeah and masters of reality um he'd picked them up in germany um somewhere and they're like mm. but they're like first pressings and yeah. I was like, wow so yeah he had some great records and they're, yeah. they're kind of treasured yeah
0: because that is like the thing obviously like spotify is great for finding new music but i like my earliest memories are going through like my dad's collection and there's it's a pretty great way to figure out someone by going through their record collection
1: yeah i used to do that a lot actually and i i still did that the other day i went around someone's house and they only had they had like a handful of records on their shelf. And immediately like all right let's have a look and see what they've got mm-hmm. And you know yeah it was a great way to sort of spy on what people were listening to and and if there was any new names you think like oh yeah. what's that? i've never heard of that you pull it out and take a look and it's good. how
0: how do you organize your records my fiddle player and i i it blows my mind he does it in heaviness order
1: <laughs> yeah i I don't have the time <laughs> that's an amazing way to do it. Is there any, <laughs> any particularly like does he is that how he chooses to listen to music as well like I think so yeah, he, so it's you like go, you'll I'm have like go, the heaviest like, heaviest doom album, death yeah. stuff
0: and then it'll go all the way to like nice folk and classical and stuff oh ah,
1: well that's not that's not a pretty good way to do it actually if you just go immediately jump in. mine is like alphabetical, yeah you know, but um not strict. <laughs> um just just kind of like all the a's in one bit all the b's etc yeah. and uh, yeah just to, just to help me find stuff but yeah it's um i mean i i should probably slow down with it i did actually I, every now and then i just have to go right which what am i not listening to because that's the other thing with records is that if i'm not really putting the record on it's a yeah. waste you know it's like having yeah. an instrument that you're not playing so sometimes I've made the hard decision to just take something, give it to someone else, gift it or yeah. put it online or whatever and get rid of it. So
0: With records talking about like personality, if someone was to come into like your house and go through your record collection, what five records would they find that you think sum up like
1: you as a person? Me as a person. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. That's a good question. Cause you have like um, a
0: lot of deep cuts. I really, like that's what I said before. I really enjoy it. Cause you have like Chris Christopherson, you have like, you know sadly yeah. you have like a varied choice going out on, on your socials so
1: yeah there's a, there's a few things i mean um i picked up a copy of uh the band northern light southern cross mm. and i love that album i think that's like probably even though the second album is like and the first one are, are maybe more iconic that that album the, has so many great songs on it, like like ophelia mm. and um you yeah, know thing so i'd probably if somebody picked that up i'd probably be I, I, that that would be a good representation of my taste <laughs> um i don't know like there's if oh, there's so many things in there i'm trying to think um maybe um i've even got um you know i was listening just I, I tend to flick between different things i was mm. listening to like lucinda williams the other day and i think she's amazing and um you know that but i i hope that it almost like that, that people would if they looked at my record collection would maybe pick out like completely different things mm. but i mean all of it i don't have anything in there that i'm Like oh no no don't look at that like (laughs) that's not that's just my guilty pleasure that I spin you know like when no one else is around kind of thing. There's everything in there. There's a Liz. There's a couple of Lizzo records in there, and Mm. um, you know, it's pretty varied. So there you go. Yeah, sick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things, and like, I'm hoping when I like my kids able to fucking like flick through stuff. They'll find stuff. So is there anything that you're hoping your kids will discover from your record collection or start listening to? And you don't want to push them into it, but you want to you no. you stumble on it.
1: Well, my, yeah. I mean, my, my thing really, I guess that my kind of, my, uh, the, the place that I probably always go back to is that kind of, it, it's turned out to be that kind of seventies, almost West coast type thing. Mm and i guess that you know i i'm i've got jackson brown albums that i love you know actually um and, and uh you know late for the sky is like one of my favorite mm. albums um and I'll, I'll often spin that um and then people that have you know been inspired by that kind of thing because people like um you know i'm a big fan of um of doors you know and taylor mm. goldsmith and all these people um one of my that was one of the coolest gigs I'd ever seen was seeing um uh them play at the borderline and this is when they just signed to loose music and they did a gig where they were playing with Jonathan Wilson mm. and they were his band as well, so they did like their opening set and they played stuff off um off their the their latest album at the time, and then they had him come up and they were his back in band and then Jackson Brown got up with them. And mm. played music, and they played a few Jackson Brown songs and um, Warren Zevon as well. You know, mm. I'm a huge Warren Zevon fan, so there was a few of his things, and uh, it was yeah, it was an incredible gig. So I'd, I'd hope that yeah, if they if they liked any of that kind of stuff, that'd be great. <laughs> but you know, um, it'd be funny to see what they they like my um i think both my kids have got an interest in music Mm. but it's it's hard to tell what they'd actually yeah listen to apart from (laughs) baby shark or (laughs) things like that at the moment (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) awesome and going back to wilderness road with that songwriting process what do you have kind of a songwriting process that you kind of stick to? Or is it, you know, as you're strumming around on some chords, lyrics come or you haven't had like the King of the Jungle song started off almost as a lullaby. What is there a concrete writing process or is, are you bouncing around?
1: It's um, it's funny. I was thinking that when I, with the, some of the first songs, I guess some of the first song, songs I'd written are on in the beginning. Mm. I'd only been writing maybe for th- three four years or so before that was written. So some mm. of my earliest songs are on that record. And I think at that time, I would just literally sit down and try to, I would do it quite linear, really. I would mm. almost like, you know, you would just kind of start almost at the beginning of the song and try and yeah. tell the story or get to the end of it. Whereas now when I sit down, there isn't a set process, but I'll it will start probably with, a hook or a lyric of some kind, you know, mm-hmm. there'll be, yeah. and that will form the idea for the song. And then after that, once I've got just that, that initial seed, I guess you then I'm almost thinking about how it melodies tend to come quicker than words yeah. or anything for me, you know? So then I, I, if I've got a good hook or a melodic hook or idea, then that's, that's where it starts. And then I've just got to hope that I'm saying something sensible over the top of it, you know? <laughs> but then you, you kind of, yeah, I spend. Sometimes it can come really quickly, and other times it doesn't. I'm sure maybe you yeah. find the same because you you know you write a huge amount as well, and it's just uh, sometimes it I don't know the stars align and you just yeah. get. Some, I mean, "Hillbilly the Kid" on on "Wilderness Road."
0: I, I was going to ask about that because that's a fucking great song.
1: Oh uh, well, well, thank you because it is one of my favorites on the on the album. But also, it, it was lit, one of those things where it was written in not much longer than it takes to play it. It really was like about 15 minutes or so mm. just done. Um, and, and it just, I don't know. It was obviously not as quick as that, it, but it was, in. it was more like I was gathering things subconsciously, yeah. you know, because I don't know where it came from. I really mm. don't. I just, one, one of the lyrics fell out and then a yeah. the whole thing just, just poured out onto a page. And I've got like, you know, the demo of it on my phone is me playing almost the complete song. Mm. And it's just been tightened up since then, in like you know, in terms of the the melody and like getting things together. But the whole thing came out really quickly, whereas some songs oh, it just you, you spend too long on them. Almost, yeah. <laughs> like you just, I just need something. I should just settle with the lyric and put it in there. That you know, not be too precious about it. Mm.
0: Yeah, and with Hillbilly, what was the line that kind of fell out? Do you remember the kind of catalyst at all?
1: I think it was the. I think it was the title. I mm. think it was the the title because. Um, I mean, country music's got really funny puns in it all the way yeah. through, isn't it? Like, and there's always great things like that. And I don't know what... I think I misread something where someone had <laughs> written Billy the Kid and I read it as "Hill Billy the Kid. And then I thought, <laughs> oh, that's quite funny, like Hillbilly the Kid. And then I I thought that's probably been said before, but when I Googled it, I didn't find <laughs> anything. And I was like, oh, I think I should write something around this. And um, I, it, it just struck me as... You know, that song became about, uh, you know, I thought, what what could it be about? And I thought Hillbilly the Kid, as well as being like a, a, a city play on words, it's almost like the sort of rubbish uh, tabloid headline that you yeah. would find in some awful paper where, you know, again, not to get on my soapbox too much, but mm-hmm. I always find it really, um, you know, frustrating when you you read stories in a newspaper or even if you see things online or on the news itself and there's no um there's no sense of humanity no. to how it's being portrayed there's a there's it, it's very you know there's an argument that they want to get across and so there's they're not thinking about um how did how did this even happen yeah or like what's the, what's the underlying cause of this and it um you know in in that song uh i just wanted to tell a story about something that had happened which you know obviously it's not um you know somebody robbing a bank as they do in the song it's not something that i would you know romanticize necessarily or say that's a mm. good thing everyone should go out and do that um but i thought well what would lead someone to do that and and how could i try and write a song where that character was in some way you know people could have empathy yeah you know and and try and think about what was their start in life yeah what options what options were they given and what you know you, you're, you're ultimately responsible for your own choices mm. and uh you know you have to live with that but it it just struck me as that some some for some people it you know they have more options yeah or they have um better choices they can make mm. so
0: yeah no and that's the interesting thing because i remember because i'd seen i'd listened i'd heard the. Uh, title track Wilderness Road because you re- you released that yeah. prior and obviously I'd listened to it in the beginning so I knew you have like a wit and a way with words and when I saw the title Hillbilly the Kid obviously the UK kind of country scene has elements and certain people that treat country music as a costume yeah and seeing that title I was like I wonder what he's gonna do with this because it yeah. is quite like a you know a kind of jokey title. And it can', yeah, it could have been played in a way that you know hammed it up in a way, but you fell oh, yeah. it with such like in an integrity and honesty to it that I was really bowled over by like the honesty of the song and like the story of it, and it you you fucking stuck the landing so well,
1: oh thank you, yeah well, I really appreciate that i was I was you know pleased with it, and uh, yeah, I don't think it yeah i'd 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 hope that um yeah it would it would be you know i can't i can't really write i don't think me personally i can't write a country music song there are some people who write um and have a greater appreciation of that genre Mm. and um you know the people in it and the history of it and you know could could do something really authentic but i i can only really do something that feels natural to me i guess and and um you know that that's that name and you know it fits in with that genre i guess but you know you hear that that term but then yeah it was more about uh trying to find a universal character you know yeah. that character could there's nothing to say really that that character was um you know in america i don't yeah. think if i no. think back on it it could be something that you could relate to over here in the uk mm. or, or anywhere so
0: yeah, that was that was what I really enjoyed about it. It was like, it didn't kind of ham up or play to an expectation of it. And it had like that grounded voice that was kind of your smooth as fuck UK voice. And it had that. <laughs> and it had Can I use
1: that... that from Rogue Country on the yeah. next album? Smooth as fuck.
0: Smooth as fuck. <laughs> yeah, your voice is so fucking smooth, man. It's, I really Thank like you. it. I am a fan of what you do. And it's, it has that like honesty and weight to it in a way that, you know... It's fucking really uh, like respect to you for you know bringing that sincerity and like weight to a thing that could have been a throwaway comedy song or a joke or pandered to a crowd that only really wanted to listen to fucking you know that type
1: of music. Yeah, I mean that's it. I mean, I, I it would be totally insincere for me to um, sit here and say uh you know sing a song about drinking bud lights and <laughs> going out to a honky tonk and you know get down a dirt road in my pickup because yeah. i don't have any of those things <laughs> no. that's not what i do on a friday night you know so i think uh yeah there's 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 a difference between you know you kind of um it's almost like appropriation isn't it like yeah. it's just it's not you so you just need to like um do you know i can do what i can do so appreciate that thank you yeah
0: no definitely like i always like i say on stage i have a song and i always say you know we don't have highways in the uk so i'm not going to sing about highways i need to sing about things i know and we have motorways here in britain so this is a song about the m53 and it always really but it's like (laughs) you know that's my experience you can be a storyteller and you can draw from other cultures and countries but if you're trying to be honest, it's like sing about the fucking motorway. <laughs> like,
1: absolutely, yeah. Funny enough, there's a so one of the songs I've not put it on an album yet, but there is a on my band camp, There's um a couple of bootlegs of of opening sets I did, and mm. there's a song called Valentine's Day, which I wrote for my wife. Uh, it was like a kind of funny sort of song about how we met. And, mm. Um, uh, it was the, the last verse of it talks about going. For drives with her, and it mentions, yeah, it says, uh, "I remember those drives, waiting in traffic with you by my side." The M twenty (laughs) five, you know, why am I going to sing about Highway sixty one or, you know, Route sixty six? I'm not, I've never been on those roads, so yeah,
0: no, exactly, and that's what I really respect about you and, you know, it's like Michael Cateeth and Ags and folks like that who, you know, sing about UK experiences while, you know, bringing that genre and those styles to life. But with, obviously, we're kind of coming towards the end. Of our little talk now, but with you know live music back, you've got I think Maverick Festival you're playing. I saw a post,
1: yeah. I'm going to be playing at the Maverick Festival, um, that's um, sort of very end of June, beginning of July. I think it's Friday the 30th of June through to the 2nd of July. Um, I'll be performing a couple of times, I think, throughout the festival, so I'm not sure which um, day specifically, but Mm. it'll be on there, and that that will just be me probably, Mm. um, but. Yeah, we're hoping to put another show on in London, at least, um, at the Green Note. Um, oh, cool. In Camden, potentially, yeah, um, or somewhere like that, at least. Hopefully, the, the Green Note, and um, that might be around the sort of September, October time. So, awesome. after the summer. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll hopefully get a few more dates and um, let people know them on social media and things.
0: Yeah, do you have anything lined up before the Maverick, like Maverick Festival? Do you have anything there is, in the next couple
1: of weeks? Um, well, the, well the, I guess the next big one for me is is um, playing a gig um, with the Blue Highways mm. at, um, in Great Eastern again. I'm going back oh, to Great awesome. Eastern where I did the gig with Robert Vincent before. It's such an amazing venue. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's tickets on sale for that now. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, really, there's, there's not a huge amount. So if anyone he's looking for someone to gig with and uh, maybe they can get in touch via the rogue country podcast
0: yeah well i put all your links and everything on
1: please yeah that'd be great yeah
0: but cool man well congratulations on wilderness road it's a fucking brilliant album and thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today man i appreciate
1: it absolute pleasure this is the first as people can probably tell the first time i've ever had the opportunity to talk about the new album um since it came out on a podcast or anything so thank you oh well you nailed it man (laughs) (laughs) yeah pro there we go
0: (laughs) and there we have it folks that's episode 66 of the rogue country podcast in the back thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode if you enjoy the show please don't forget to leave a review they are a massive help in getting us up the algorithm, and we want to reach as many people as possible. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Please go check out The Wilderness Road by James Hodder. It's great. And um, Thanks so much to everyone who's been listening so far. The Mike and the Moon Pies episode's been doing well. We nearly have 5,000 downloads overall, which is just fucking insane. Um, and it's all down to you people who tune in. So thank you so much. Keep supporting the things you love. Keep doing the things you love. Peace.